who started out at a New Jersey nightclub and made it big as entertainment director of the Sahara, Dunes, Flamingo, and International Hotels in Las Vegas. False flag terror attacks are an Israeli specialty, as Dr. Qasem Khalil points out in his book, Wrongly Blamed, 2007. Quote, Public terror was invented by the Israelis, Khalil wrote, citing Christopher Sykes' book, Crossroads to Israel. Quote, To achieve their political goals, Zionists are dependent on terror. These terror acts are used as a distraction. Even though the Israelis are the sources, they effectively blame others. The fabricated terror they commit is an assault on people's intelligence. Thus, people are being purposely misled regarding the real source of these crimes. End quote. The Zionist-controlled media has purposely misled the public about 9-11 for the same reason as the Zionist judges, investigators, and commissioners, to protect the evidence of Israeli involvement from being exposed. The controlled U.S. media works with the Zionist criminal network and allows it to flourish by failing to investigate and identify the companies and individuals involved. The Planes of 9-11 9-11 was an act of false flag terror in which four allegedly hijacked airplanes were used as weapons of mass destruction. There are, however, many unanswered questions about the airplanes involved. There are many observations about these planes which suggest they were not the civilian airliners they are said to have been. The plane that struck the South Tower, for example, had unusual shapes, bulges, and holes, which have led many analysts to believe it was a Boeing 767-300 refueling tanker that had been disguised as a 767-200 United Airlines passenger jet. Durable parts from the two jets that struck the Twin Towers such as landing gear and engines, landed on buildings and streets of Manhattan. On these engines and landing gear are many numbered time-tracked parts, which could prove precisely which aircraft they had been put on and when they had been serviced. But the FBI has refused to present this evidence to make its case. Why wouldn't the FBI present this evidence if it had it? The only possible explanation for the FBI's failure to present this evidence is that it does not match the planes they claim hit the buildings or crashed in Pennsylvania. If the planes that were involved in the attacks on the World Trade Center were, in fact, not United Airlines Flight 175 and American Airlines Flight 11, but remotely controlled tankers painted to look like civilian aircraft, who could have produced such disguised planes and inserted them into the NORAD anti-terrorism exercise that was taking place in the airspace of the East Coast on the morning of 9-11. Israel Aircraft Industries Given the evidence of Israeli prior knowledge, some obvious questions arise. Did the Israelis have the capability to carry off such a complex operation? If they did, is there a link between their capability and the events of 9-11? The answer to both questions is yes. The Israeli military and its intelligence agencies have long had the capability to convert and disguise large-body aircraft in the United States, and their companies that do this kind of work are connected to international consultants on 
Targeted Security, ICTS. ICTS is the Israeli airport security company based in the Netherlands that is a prime suspect in the false flag terrorism of 9-11. ICTS was a key defendant in the 9-11 tort litigation until Judge Alvin K. Hellerstein dismissed the Mossad-linked company from the case in May 2011. The Israeli military has spawned several aircraft leasing and maintenance companies in the United States since the late 1960s. There is, in fact, a network of Israeli-controlled aviation companies operating in the United States, which were all started by Israel Aircraft Industries, now known as Israel Aerospace Industries. IAI is a wholly owned subsidiary of the Israeli Defense Ministry, which produces and maintains planes and missiles. One of the Israeli military aviation companies spawned in the United States was an aircraft leasing company named Atasco, which began operating in the United States in the early 1970s. I began investigating Atasco in August 2006. As a matter of fact, I had spoken with Shalom Yoran, the Israeli chairman of this now defunct Israeli company, about six hours before a squad of three undercover police arrived at my house and without cause or provocation tackled me on my front lawn. While I was pinned down beneath two men, one kneeling on the temple of my head, they applied a taser directly to my back and gave me a shock of 50,000 volts. The police assault at my home on August 15, 2006 left me with a fractured elbow. I had come across Shalom Yoran's name while researching Amit and Naftali Yoran, the suspicious young Israelis who oversaw cybersecurity for the U.S. government and military computers prior to and after 9-11. Shalom Yoran has an extremely suspicious and unusual profile for an Israeli immigrant to the United States. He was in the original Israeli Air Force of 1948 and is a founder and former head of Israel Aircraft Industries. Yoran was instrumental in building the IAI into an internationally recognized company and the largest industry in Israel. Before Yoran emigrated to the United States, which is very unusual for Israelis of his age and with his high-level military background, he had spent the previous 10 years as senior vice president of IAI and as president of IAI's parent company, Bedek. Israelis like Iran don't usually come to America as immigrants. They are sent there on a mission. Israel Aircraft Industries was established in 1953 as Bedek Aviation Company, five years after the establishment of the State of Israel. Today, Bedek is the senior group of Israel Air Aerospace Industries, and specializes in aircraft operation, conversion, maintenance, and overhaul. In 1975, when Yoran left Bedek and IAI at the unusually young retirement age of 50, the corporation had 22,000 employees, of which 4,000 worked in the Bedek division. In reality, Yoran didn't leave Bedek and IAI at all. 
he was sent by the Israeli military to the United States to manage one of their most important operations, a TASCO. In his online biographies, Yuran says that he was appointed to this position. Quote, when he retired at the age of 50, he was appointed the president of Atasco, an American flight company for cargo shipment and maintenance. His 2003 biography on the website of Tel Aviv University has a similar tale. Quote, at the age of 50, Shalom Yuran retired from the Israel aircraft industries. In 1978, he moved to the United States, where he became chairman of Atasco USA, a private aircraft trading and service company. Atasco bought and, and leased airplanes to major airlines around the world. The company also had an aircraft maintenance and modification plant in Smyrna, Tennessee. Quote, Shalom Iran continues to be chairman of Atasco USA, the 2003 Tel Aviv University entry noted. How could an Israeli be appointed to be president or chairman of an American company unless that company were actually an Israeli company disguised as an American company? And why would an Israeli company doing business in the United States want to disguise the fact that it is Israeli owned in the first place? The Atasco Bedek Connection Atasco USA was, of course, created and owned by the Israeli military and connected to the Mossad, but this information is not easily found. There has only been one article that I have found that mentions what Atasco has been doing for the past 36 years in the United States, since it was first created by the Israeli Defense Ministry in 1971. That article, entitled Ugandan Plain Deal Believed Key to Israeli Spy Operation, was published in the Washington Post of September 11, 1978. This investigative article, which involved an international team of journalists that included an Israeli, focused on the mysterious Israeli tycoon and the Mossad, Israeli's intelligence service, and how they had provided the Ugandan dictator Idi Amin with two Boeing 707 jetliners as part of an Israeli effort to spy on Libya. The big winner and tycoon in this Mossad spying operation was Shaul Nehemiah Eisenberg, 1921-1997, the reclusive Israeli entrepreneur at its center. Eisenberg was, as the Washington Post reported in 1978, the central figure in the Mossad spying operation on Libya. Quote, the chief Eisenberg firm in these deals was Aircraft Trading and Services Incorporated, or Atasco. Headquartered in Asia House, Eisenberg's luxury building in Tel Aviv, Atasco also has branches in the Eisenberg building in New York and in London. Atasco was put together in 1971 by executives of Israeli Aircraft Industries, a wholly owned subsidiary of the Israeli Defense Ministry that makes planes and missiles. Eisenberg got into a Tasco as an equal partner with Israeli aircraft for $500,000 in cash. After the 1973 Middle East War, Israeli aircraft, staggered by scandals, sold its share in a Tasco to Eisenberg, leaving him its sole owner. The rest of a Tasco's original capital, $5 million dollars, 
came from the U.S. Export-Import Bank, which is supposed to make loans to promote American exports. The Export-Import Bank certainly found the right man in Eisenberg. He quickly turned into an eager customer for Pan American Airways used Boeing 707s. Atasco bought 12 or 15 of the Advanced Series 707s that Pan Am was selling and purchased 6 out of 10 earlier Series C 707s being sold by the airline. At its Israeli hangars, currently jammed with 707s bearing obscure markings, Atasco remodels the interiors to suit customers and paints on their proud colors, Iran Air, Tarom of Romania, Uganda Airlines. In May 1976, Atasco sold the 707 that was once Pan Am's Clipper Jupiter to a firm in Zurich, which dealt it on to Amin. Intelligence sources say that the head of this Zurich firm is a 15-year veteran of Mossad, the Israeli intelligence agency, and the firm is an agency laundry. It exists, these sources say, to pass on Mossad funds for deals in which the Israeli Secret Service is interested. End quote. The Washington Post, one of the most important newspapers in the United States, is a leading national newspaper of record. Oddly, however, the extremely important information contained in this article about Atasco was never repeated in any of the subsequent articles in which this mysterious company was mentioned. For example, when Gerald L. Gittner, an aviation executive with Pan Am, TWA, and a host of smaller airlines, was appointed Chief Executive Officer of Atasco USA. In 1986, when Gittner became CEO of the Israeli-owned company with a documented history of murky business, the company was described as a New York aircraft leasing and brokerage company. Atasco's previously published history of involvement in Mossad operations was never mentioned. Gittner who was CEO of Mossad's privately held aircraft leasing and maintenance company until 1990, was involved in the dismemberment and selling off of the assets of the once prosperous Pan Am and TWA airlines. In October 1986, when Gittner was appointed CEO of the Mossad-run Atasco USA Incorporated, he was or had been a senior executive with Pan Am Corporation and TWA. He was the president of Texas Air Corporation, the holding company for Continental Airlines and New York Air, when he was appointed president and CEO of Atasco USA, a private aviation concern involved in commercial aircraft leasing and heavy aircraft maintenance. Gittner was also co-founder and president of People Express Airlines. The Houston Chronicle of October 3, 1986, however, only identified Atasco as, quote, an aircraft leasing and brokerage company. Shaul Eisenberg, World Entrepreneur In November 1982, when Eisenberg became involved in the Tregeron deal, and tried to take over a large piece of prime real estate in Washington, D.C. The Washington Post wrote about Mossad's world entrepreneur and their point man in China and Panama. Quote, Eisenberg was profiled in a 1981 Business Week article as a businessman of enormous wealth, 
diversity of business interests, and a proclivity for secretiveness in his dealings. He owns a worldwide network of corporations. His largest company, United Development Incorporated, was set up in Panama in 1960. Eisenberg essentially acts as a middleman, according to reports on his dealings, assembling consortiums of manufacturers, builders, and banks to construct industrial facilities of all types. End quote. Since Eisenberg was the sole owner of a Tasco since 1973, the Mossad's aircraft trading and services company naturally began its murky business on the American continent in Panama. In 1978, the Washington Post reported that there were frequent but unsubstantiated reports that Eisenberg operates mostly from Central America. Eisenberg was also the Panamanian Honorary General Counsel in Tel Aviv, the Post reported. The first mention of a Tasco, other than the 1978 article in the Washington Post, was in the New York Times on October 29, 1981, when it reported that Emory Air Freight had purchased a Boeing 727-100 from a Tasco, Panama. IDF, Israeli Drug Forces. Israel Aircraft Industries also has a branch IAI Sucursal, Colombia, in Bogota, Colombia. Colombia is a nation better known for the production and distribution of cocaine than aircraft. Why would IAI establish aircraft leasing and maintenance facilities in Colombia and Panama? Is airlifting drugs a central part of the IAI operations in Latin America? Does the Mossad use IAI facilities in Colombia to run its own drug smuggling routes to fund its operations? Does Mossad drug smuggling involve American politicians and intelligence agencies, which it controls through criminal complicity? There are a number of indications that the Mossad is deeply involved in the Colombian drug trade. A horde of Mossad operatives, disguised as Israeli art students, were targeting the offices and personnel of the U.S. Drug Enforcement Agency, the DEA, for two years prior to 9-11. Why would the Mossad be seeking to penetrate the DEA if it were not involved in drug smuggling? It is well known that Israeli criminal gangs are heavily involved in illicit drug smuggling. The Israeli newspaper Haaretz, for example, reported in 2003 that Israel is at the center of the international trade in the drug ecstasy, according to a document published by the U.S. State Department. Quote, In recent years, organized crime in Israel, some with links to criminal organizations in Russia, have come to control the distribution of the drug in Europe, according to a Bureau for International Narcotics and Law Enforcement Affairs document, Haaretz reported. Quote, During 2000, 80% of the ecstasy seized in North America originated in the Netherlands, which is the largest production center, along with Belgium and Poland. The State Department is certain that Israeli organizations are linked to the laboratories in the Netherlands and are responsible for the worldwide distribution. Israeli drug distribution organizations are currently the main source for distribution of the drug to groups inside the United States, to smuggling through express mail services, through couriers on commercial flights, and recently through air cargo, the report stated. 
it should be noted that the Israeli airport security firm ICTS handles airport security at Schiphol, the international airport of Amsterdam. Why is the Mossad-linked airport security company based in Holland? The rumors about the Bush and Clinton families being involved in large-scale drug smuggling operations are legendary. From George Herbert Walker Bush's days in the Texas oil business and as head of the CIA to his position as the director of the Prozac giant Eli Lilly and Company, the drug trade is a central part of the Bush family business. The allegations about Governor Bill Clinton's involvement in the drug smuggling operation in Mena, Arkansas, are equally legendary. Aircraft were used to smuggle drugs and weapons through the airport in Mena in the 1980s, while Clinton protected the entire operation. Quote, Given the scope and implications of the Mena story, it may be easy to understand the media's initial skepticism and reluctance Sally Denton and Roger Morris wrote in their July 1995 article, The Crimes of Mina. Quote, Mina, from 1981 to 1985, was indeed one of the centers for international smuggling traffic. According to official IRS and DEA calculations, sworn court testimony, and other corroborative records, the traffic amounted to thousands of kilos of cocaine and heroin and literally hundreds of millions of dollars in drug profits. According to a 1986 letter from the Louisiana Attorney General to then U.S. Attorney General Edwin Meese, Adler Berryman Seal, or Barry Seal, smuggled between $3 billion and $5 billion worth of drugs into the United States. End quote. Adler Berryman Seal had been a pilot with TWA from 1966 to 1974, according to his online biography. Gittner, who began his career at TWA in 1968, was a vice president when he also left TWA in 1974 to join the much smaller Texas International Airlines. The numerous reports and allegations of involvement in drug smuggling are what the Bush and Clinton families have in common. These are the families which have dominated the executive branch of the United States government since 1981. There was either a Bush or Clinton in the White House from January 1981 until January 2009. Is the illegal drug business the central criminal activity that the Bush and Clinton families have participated in with the Israeli Mossad? If the reports, allegations, and rumors are true, the illegal drug trade is where the interests of the Bush family, the Clintons, the CIA, and the Mossad all come together. This would explain the choice to invade and occupy Afghanistan, where opium production is now at record levels after having been nearly eradicated under the Taliban regime. This would also explain the unusual pressure to medicate the 9-11 relatives with mind-altering drugs like Prozac. It appears that drug smuggling could very well be the illegal enterprise at the center of the criminal network behind 9-11. This is a subject that deserves further investigation. Clipper Jupiter and Zemex Aviation 
In the 1978 article about Eisenberg and the Mossad, the Washington Post reported that Atasco had sold the Boeing 707, which had been Pan Am's Clipper Jupiter, to a firm in Zurich, which had immediately transferred ownership to Idi Amin in Uganda. Quote, Intelligence sources say that the head of this Zurich firm is a 15-year veteran of Mossad, the Israeli intelligence agency, and the firm is an agency laundry. It exists, these sources say, to pass on Mossad funds for deals in which the Israeli Secret Service is interested. Pan Am's Clipper Jupiter, with tail registration number N766PA, was sold to a Zurich-based company called Zemex Aviation on May 12, 1976. The same day, Zemex Aviation transferred the plane with a new tail number, 5XUAL, to Uganda Airlines. End quote. The 15-year veteran of Mossad would be Hans Ziegler, who headed Zymex, as reported in the Oregonian, on August 22, 1988. Quote, Charles Hanner, then a Page Airways vice president, testified by deposition that he had been introduced to Amin by Hans Ziegler, a veteran agent of Mossad, the Israeli Military Intelligence Service, Ziegler's Swiss company, Zemex Aviation, had sold a number of aircraft to Middle Eastern potentates and to Amin's friend, Muammar Gaddafi, the Libyan dictator. End quote. Atasco ties to 9-11. Gittner reportedly stayed with Atasco from October 1986 through December 1989. In 1989, Gittner was appointed to head Presidential Airways of Herndon, Virginia. Gittner later served on the board of directors of another Mossad-run company, ICTS, one of the key defendants in the 9-11 tort litigation. Along with a handful of senior Israeli Mossad veterans, Gittner was a director of ICTS from at least 1997 through 2005. ICTS was responsible for airline security and passenger screening at Boston's Logan Airport on 9-11. International Consultants on Targeted Security, ICTS, is the Mossad-linked company that owns Huntley USA, the airline security company that oversaw the passenger screening operations at Boston's Logan Airport on September 11, 2001. How would Gittner be a director or CEO of a Mossad-run company like Atasco or ICTS if he were not working for the Mossad? Has Gerald Gittner from Boston been working with the Israelis since he began at TWA in the late 1960s? Is this the reason he left TWA and began working for Texas International? BedEx Specialty Boeing 767 Conversions IAI is a world leader in aircraft conversion and modernization programs, unmanned air vehicles, UAVs, communication programs, and defense electronics, according to the company's website. Shalom Yuran's company, Bedek Aviation Group, reportedly converted its first Boeing 767 from a passenger to cargo jet in early 2000. 
The converted passenger jet was the first of 11 767s to be converted for Airborne Express, according to the Jerusalem Post of April 4, 2000. Bedek is one of the world's leaders in plane conversions, the Israeli newspaper reported. In early 2001, Bedek delivered a refurbished Boeing 707 refueling tanker for the Israeli Air Force, according to the Jerusalem Post of February 22, 2001. The number of Israeli refueling tankers is classified, the Post reported. The first 707 air refueling tanker converted for the Air Force was delivered 20 years ago. This Israeli report indicates that Bedek has been converting Boeing aircraft into tankers since the early 1980s. The main benefit of this present aircraft is in its versatility, its quick conversion from a refueling tanker to a cargo jet. In this way, the aircraft can be used as a cargo plane in times of peace and a refueling tanker in an emergency, the IAI statement said. IAI in Miami, Commodore Aviation. Boeing has been working with Israel Aircraft Industries Limited for 30 years, the Seattle Post Intelligencer reported in October 1998. Miami International Airport has long been the site of one of BEDEC's maintenance stations, along with Paris, Moscow, Baku, and Baikal, according to the Jerusalem Post of January 13, 1995. The BEDEC operation in Miami was known as Commodore Aviation. IAI and BEDEC had offices in Arlington, Virginia, New York City, Princeton, New Jersey, for its Galaxy Aerospace subsidiary, and in Miami, for its Commodore Aviation Unit, according to the Seattle Post-Intelligencer article from 1998. Florida Governor Jeb Bush made a four-day trade mission visit to Israel in November 1999, during which he appealed to the state-owned Israel Aircraft Industries to expand their business operations in Florida. IAI's Miami-based Commodore Aviation was already the largest Israeli business presence in Florida in 1999 with about 500 employees, the Stewart News reported. In 2003, Commodore Aviation, part of IAI's Bedek Aviation Group, pulled out of Miami, reportedly owing nearly a million dollars to the Miami airport, and moved to Rome, New York, where it renamed its operations the Empire Air Center. Commodore has been searching for a new location since June 2002 and owes $800,000 in back rent to Miami International Airport, where it's currently based, South Florida CEO reported in May 2003, when it announced Commodore Aviation's move to New York and its name change. Like a Tesco, Commodore has been generously funded by the U.S. taxpayer. Commodore Aviation actually made money by its move to the former Griffiths Air Force Base, where it operates in a massive hangar in which B-52 bombers and tankers were once serviced. The move profited Commodore, which received some $25 million in grants and tax incentives from federal and New York government sources, the Jerusalem Post reported on November 21, 2003. The whole relocation didn't cost IAI $1, said Jerry Stoke, New York State Economic Attaché in Israel.
Chapter 3 America the Target 9-11 and Israel's History of False Flag Terrorism Quote I sat with former Mossad chief Iser Harel for a conversation about Arab terrorism. As he handed me a cup of hot tea and a plate of cookies, I asked him, Do you think terrorism will come to America? And if so, where and why? Harel looked at his American visitor and replied, I fear it will come to you in America. America has the power, but not the will, to fight terrorism. The terrorists have the will, but not the power, to fight America. But all that could change with time. Arab oil money buys more than tents. As to the where, Harrell continued, New York City is the symbol of freedom and capitalism. It's likely they will strike the Empire State Building, your tallest building, he mistakenly thought, and a symbol of your power. 21 years later, the first part of Harrell's prediction came true, except, of course, that the twin towers of the World Trade Center were much taller than the Empire State Building. Close quote. Michael D. Evans, on what Israeli intelligence chief Issa Harrell told him in September 1980. America the Target, Jerusalem Post, September 30, 2001. America the Target, 9-11 and Israel's History of False Flag Terrorism. The Israeli military has a history of owning and operating private aircraft leasing and maintenance companies in the United States. These privately held aviation companies, created by the Israeli military and linked to its state-owned aviation industry, had the capability and advanced avionics required to convert Boeing aircraft into remote-controlled drones like those that evidently struck the World Trade Center on 9-11. Given the Israeli military's capability to carry out the attacks, the evidence of Israeli prior knowledge raises a fundamental question that must be asked. Would the Israeli military conduct such an outrageous act of terror? Millions of Americans have blindly accepted, without any proof, the government and controlled media's fictitious tale that 19 Arabs who lacked basic piloting skills were responsible for the coordinated precision aerial attacks and subsequent carnage and destruction of 9-11. On the other hand, the same government and media have shown absolutely no interest in probing the evidence or looking into the many unanswered questions surrounding the attacks. There can only be one logical explanation for such persistent avoidance of the evidence by the people who should be leading the investigation. They have avoided the evidence because it contradicts the fiction they have presented to the public. The number of people who realize that the government and media have lied about 9-11 is significant and continues to grow all the time. The pack of lies surrounding the attacks has been thoroughly exposed and can no longer be supported. Unable to defend their fiction in the face of facts and evidence presented by honest scientists and writers, the defenders of the 9-11 lie use disinformation, defamation, and slander to try and prevent the truth from spreading like wildfire. Israeli Prior Knowledge while the evidence indicates that the Israelis had prior knowledge of 9-11, commonly held misconceptions about Israel, and a general lack of understanding of Zionism's brutal history of terrorism prevent most people from comprehending the Israeli connection. The ignorance of Zionist history, cultivated by the controlled media, prevents people from understanding reality in the Middle East. 
It is essential to have a grasp of the history of previous Israeli attacks on the United States to understand 9-11. This chapter examines a few little-known but key events in the history of Israeli false flag terror attacks and the people behind them. The names and events discussed in this chapter are at the center of Zionist terrorism, false flag and otherwise. False flag terrorism means an act of terror planned and perpetrated by one party for the purpose of having the blame assigned to its enemy for political or strategic purposes. False flag attacks are designed to foment hostility or instigate war between groups or nations. 9-11, like many of the terror attacks that have occurred in occupied Iraq, was a textbook false flag operation. Very rarely has the United States, oceans away from the conflicts of Europe and Asia, actually been attacked by foreign militaries. The British invasion during the War of 1812 and the Japanese bombing of Pearl Harbor in 1941 are the only foreign attacks prior to 9-11 that come to mind. Although 9-11 is disguised and interpreted by the government and media as an act of terrorism carried out by Islamic fanatics, the evidence indicates that it was a carefully planned false flag attack carried out by the Israeli military after years of planning and preparation. Evidence of Israeli Involvement This is not a hypothesis that can be easily dismissed as based on speculation or prejudice. There is solid evidence that Israeli intelligence agencies had prior knowledge of 9-11, which is indicative of involvement in the attacks. Public statements made by key terror suspects, the five jubilant movers arrested in New Jersey, for example, who were actually Israeli intelligence agents, indicate that they possessed prior knowledge of the attacks. In November 2001, after two months in U.S. custody, three of the five agents appeared on Israeli television and admitted, in plain Hebrew, that their purpose had been to document the event. The Israeli interviewer did not ask who had sent them, but it is quite clear they were working for Israeli intelligence. The five fake movers from Urban Moving Systems of Weehawken, New Jersey, were actually operatives of the Israeli Secret Service. The five Israeli agents, described in early news reports as Middle Eastern, had been sought by the FBI and New Jersey authorities after they had been seen celebrating and photographing the destruction of the World Trade Center. The Israelis made a video of themselves with the burning towers behind them as they flicked their cigarette lighters, laughed, and celebrated as hundreds of innocent people were being roasted alive. Reportedly, they had worn Palestinian or Arab garb, which was later found in their van. The Israeli agents, who were caught with multiple passports, box cutters, and thousands of dollars stuffed into their socks, were driving a van that tested positive for explosives when they were arrested. Two of the five were actually on a list of foreign intelligence agents known to U.S. law enforcement authorities at the time. ABC News did a follow-up on the Israeli agents in June 2002. Quote, The arresting officers said they saw a lot that aroused their suspicion about the men. One of the passengers had $4,700 in cash hidden in his sock. Another was carrying two foreign passports. A box cutter was found in the van. But perhaps the biggest surprise for the officers came when the five men identified themselves as Israeli citizens. We are not your problem. According to the police report, one of the passengers told the officers they had been on the West Side Highway in Manhattan during the incident, referring to the World Trade Center attack.
The driver of the van, Sivan Kurtzberg, told the officers, We are Israeli. We are not your problem. Your problems are our problems. The Palestinians are the problem. The other passengers were his brother Paul Kurtzberg, Yaron Shmuel, Oded Elner, and Omer Marmari. Close quote. The five movers were evidently part of a much larger Israeli operation in New York City. The Urban Moving Systems Company was later exposed as a Mossad front company, a fake agency set up to facilitate the terror operation. An American who worked with the company said he was shocked to see that the Israeli employees had openly rejoiced over the attacks. In November 2001, the five Israeli terror suspects were returned to Israel on visa violations, although they had repeatedly refused to take and then failed lie detector tests concerning their involvement in 9-11. Instant messages warning of the attack at the World Trade Center and predicting the bombing to the precise minute were sent via the Mossad-owned Odigo messaging system hours before the first plane hit the North Tower. These warnings are further evidence that Israeli intelligence had very specific and accurate knowledge of the terror attacks long before they occurred. In a complex and elaborately planned crime of mass murder and terrorism, like 9-11, possession of specific prior knowledge, like that held by the fake Israeli movers and the senders of the Odigo messages, is evidence of complicity in the crime. Had the recipients of the Odigo warnings contacted the authorities in New York City, thousands of lives would have been saved. If these people were not complicit in the crime, why didn't they contact the authorities? Taking the evidence of Israeli prior knowledge into consideration with the Israeli military's capability to launch such a sophisticated false flag terror attack, the obvious question has to be asked. Would Israeli military agencies commit such an atrocious act of terrorism in the United States in order to achieve a strategic goal. The question whether Israeli strategic planners would conduct a false flag terror attack against the United States, their most powerful ally, in order to fix the blame on the Arabs, their enemies, raises several specific questions. 1. Has the Israeli military conducted false flag terror attacks against the United States in the past? 2. If so, are there links between the people or agencies involved in the previous terror attacks and 9-11? 3. Is there a strategic goal for which Zionist planners would commit such a terrorist atrocity? 4. If so, has that strategic goal been realized as a result of 9-11? The answer to all four questions is yes. The Israeli military has a documented history of conducting false flag terror attacks against the United States. It also has a history of withholding information from the United States about threats it had knowledge of. Specific Zionist extremists are, furthermore, the prime suspects with the strongest motives for carrying out 9-11. The Zionist motive was to kickstart their long-planned U.S.-led war on terror with a spectacular terror attack inside the United States. Like any other crime, solving 9-11 requires that we diligently investigate those suspects with strong motives and prior histories of committing similar crimes. There are Israeli suspects who fit this description. On the other hand, 
there is no reasonable Arab motive to attack the World Trade Center or the Pentagon. Why would Arabs or Muslims commit such a counterproductive act? Why would any Arab organization commit a senseless crime knowing that it would invite a U.S. military invasion of their nation or another Islamic nation? The Arab-slash-Islamic terror scenario for 9-11 makes very little sense. Israel's History of Terror Quote, We must use terror, assassination, intimidation, land confiscation, and the cutting of all social services to rid the Galilee of its Arab population. Close quote. David Ben-Gurion, first Prime Minister of Israel, to the General Staff, May 1948. Zionists and Israelis have long employed terrorism as a tool and a tactic. Senior officials of the Israeli government, the Mossad, and Amman, Israeli military intelligence, have long histories of using terror as a tool. Zionists from Poland and Russia used terrorism to drive the native Palestinians from their land, homes, and villages during the war of 1947 and 48. Some 400 Palestinian villages and towns were obliterated and their populations massacred or sent into exile as refugees. Many of the Palestinian houses and villages were taken over by Jewish immigrants. Others were razed to the ground. The Zionists also began using terrorism as a tactic against the West in the 1940s, carrying out false flag terror attacks against the United States and Britain as far back as the bombing of Jerusalem's King David Hotel on July 22, 1946. The bombing of the luxury hotel was ordered by Menachem Begin, the head of the Irgun, a Zionist terrorist organization during the 1930s and 1940s. Begin, a known terrorist, later became Prime Minister of Israel, a position he held during the 1982 invasion of Lebanon, which was led by Ariel Sharon, his defense minister. Begin, an avowed racist, had a Jewish supremacist view of the world, which he used to justify his crimes of terrorism and genocide. Quote, the Palestinians are beasts walking on two legs, Begin said in a speech to the Knesset, as quoted by the Israeli writer Amnon Kapuliuk in his article Begin and the Beasts, published in the New Statesman of June 25, 1982. Zionist terrorists from the Irgun and Haganah militia, disguised as Arabs, set off seven large demolition bombs in the basement of the King David Hotel which was the base for the British Secretariat and the military command in British-occupied Palestine. Ninety-one people were killed, most of them staff of the Secretariat. The attack on the hotel was the deadliest attack against the British in the history of the Mandate. To this day, the Zionist bombing of the King David Hotel is the terrorist act which has caused the greatest number of casualties in the history of the Israeli-Arab conflict. Zionists are proud of the bombing as one of their key acts of terror that compelled the British to abandon Palestine. David Ben-Gurion, the head of the Haganah militia, advocated the use of terror and supported the bombing. Although publicly the Haganah condemned the bombing, many researchers insist that the Haganah had authorized it. Quote, Everything was coordinated with the Haganah, Menachem Begin declared in a film from the Israeli Broadcasting Authorities. Scroll of Fire series. Netanyahu's support for terrorists. 
Members of the Irgun, which carried out scores of terror bombings in the 1930s and 40s, and its political successors in the Likud party, hold the worldview that political violence and terrorism are legitimate tools in the Jewish national struggle for the land of Israel, according to Ari Perliger and Leonard Weinberg, authors of Jewish Self-Defense and Terrorist Groups Prior to the Establishment of the State of Israel, Roots and Traditions. Benjamin Netanyahu, the Prime Minister and leader of the Likud, attended a two-day anniversary celebration of the King David Hotel bombing in July 2006 with former terrorists of the Irgun and Haganah. The event was organized by the Menachem Begin Heritage House, the University of Haifa, and the Association of Itzel, or Irgun Fighters. The seminar was held to mark the 60th anniversary of the bombing of the King David Hotel, Jerusalem, by members of the United Resistance Movement, Haganah and Irgun, the Jerusalem Post noted in its pre-event notices. The Israeli newspaper specifically noted that members of the Haganah and Irgun had been involved in the terrorist bombing. One of the terrorists even led a tour of the hotel he had bombed. The fact that the right-wing politician and terror specialist Bibi Netanyahu had participated in a two-day event celebrating the bombing of the King David Hotel was reported in the Jerusalem Post and in leading newspapers in Britain, France, and India. But not a single word about the event was printed in the controlled press of the United States, the nation supposedly fighting the war on terror. Netanyahu's conspicuous role as the main speaker at an event celebrating an act of terrorism was not reported in any U.S. newspaper until Patrick Buchanan mentioned it in his article entitled Moral Culpability for Kana on August 2, 2006. Buchanan's comments, however, only appeared in independent regional newspapers in Pittsburgh, Wyoming, and Ohio. Quote, Rubbing our noses in our own cravenness, Bibi Netanyahu took time out a week ago to commemorate the 60th anniversary of the terror attack on the King David Hotel by Menachem Begin's Irgun, an attack that killed 92 people, among them British nurses. This was not a terrorist act, Bibi explained, because Irgun telephoned a 15-minute warning to the hotel before the bombings went off. Right, and those children in Kana should not have ignored Israeli leaflets warning them to clear out of southern Lebanon. Our Israeli friends appear to be playing us for fools. Close quote. In 1946, the Times described the Irgun as terrorists in disguise. Sarah Agassi, it reported, was one of the terrorists in disguise involved in the bombing of the King David Hotel. She and a fellow agent had cased the hotel while her brother and other terrorists had disguised themselves as Arabs delivering milk as they placed seven milk cans, each containing 50 kilograms, 110 pounds of explosives in its basement. The Zionists had important strategic reasons for the bombing, according to the Jerusalem Post of July 27, 2006. Quote, The bombing was a direct response to the events of the British Operation Agatha and the Black Sabbath of June 29, 1946, during which 17,000 British soldiers confiscated weapons and intelligence documents and arrested thousands of leaders of the Yishuv, and Haganah activists. The documents brought to the King David headquarters revealed most of the Yishuv's operational plans 
and incriminated the Jewish agency in the leadership of the United Resistance, as well as the Itzel and the Lehi, against the British. The evidence would be used to try the Jewish activists and, quite possibly, to hang them. Twenty-five leaders took part in the carefully planned and precisely executed bombing. Six of them, dressed as Arab laborers, placed the seven milk cans filled with 350 kilograms of explosives, fitted with timers set to go off in 40 minutes around the central support beam of the hotel's southern wing. Others spread explosives along the roads leading to the hotel to prevent reinforcements and emergency medical crews from arriving at the scene. Netanyahu's Terrorist Roots Netanyahu is the son of Ben-Zion Netanyahu, born Milakowski in Warsaw, Poland. Ben-Zion was the former senior aide of Vladimir Jabotinsky, the militant extremist founder of revisionist Zionism and the Irgun. His son, Benjamin Netanyahu, is also a leading advocate of the teachings of Jabotinsky. On July 8, 2007, Netanyahu was the keynote speaker at an event at the Jabotinsky Institute to mark the 67th anniversary of the death of the founder of the Irgun. The Irgun, a Zionist terrorist organization dedicated to creating greater Israel, is the political parent of Israel's extreme right-wing Likud party, which Benjamin Netanyahu currently heads. The Irgun was the armed expression of revisionist Zionism, which was expressed by Jabotinsky as follows, according to Howard Sacher, author of A History of Israel, From the Rise of Zionism to Our Time. 1. Every Jew has the right to enter Palestine. 2. Only active retaliation, that is, terrorism, would deter the Arabs and the British. 3. Only Jewish armed force would ensure the Jewish state. Terrorism Specialist Netanyahu is also a terrorism specialist who has made a career out of promoting the Zionist agenda of a global war on terror since the 1980s. When Netanyahu was asked on the same day about the terrorism of 9-11, he said, It's very good. Who else but a hardened terrorist complicit in the crime would use the word good to describe 9-11. As James Bennett of the New York Times reported on September 12, 2001, quote, Asked tonight what the attack meant for relations between the United States and Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, the former prime minister, replied, It's very good. Then he edited himself. Well, not very good, but it will generate immediate sympathy. Close quote. In 2006, the Jerusalem Post and other newspapers reported on Netanyahu's outspoken support for the terrorists who had bombed the King David Hotel in 1946. The Irgun's chief of operations at the time of the bombing was Eitan Livni, father of the Israeli foreign minister Tzipi Livni, from 2006 to 2009. The high-level political connections in Israel with the Irgun terrorists of the 1940s are an indication of the influence they have on the Israeli political establishment. The Hindu noted in an article entitled Celebrating Terror Israeli Style on July 24, 2006. Quote, We do not think that it is right for an act of terrorism which led to the loss of many lives to be commemorated, Britain's ambassador to Israel, Simon MacDonald, 
and its Council General in Jerusalem, John Jenkins, protested weakly in a letter to the local Israeli administration in Jerusalem. Close quote. Previous Israeli Attacks on U.S. Targets Eight years after the bombing of the King David Hotel, Israel carried out a series of false flag terror bombings against U.S. and British libraries, theaters, and other government institutions in Egypt in a terror campaign designed to be blamed on Egyptian groups. This Israeli terror campaign of July 1954 is often referred to as the Lavon Affair, after Pinhas Lavon, the Israeli defense minister at the time. In June 1967, 13 years after the Lavon Affair, the Israeli Air Force and Navy deliberately strafed, bombed, napalmed, and torpedoed an unarmed U.S. vessel, the USS Liberty, and tried to kill all of its nearly 300 crew members simply to achieve a strategic goal. Recently released documents from the National Security Agency confirm that the United States government at the time had evidence that the Israelis had deliberately attacked the USS Liberty, knowing it was a U.S. vessel. Oliver Kirby, the NSA's Deputy Director for Operations at the time of the Israeli attack on the USS Liberty, confirmed the existence of the transcripts to John Crudston of the Chicago Tribune in 2007, saying he had personally read them. Quote, Asked whether he had personally read such transcripts, Kirby replied, I sure did. I certainly did. They said, We've got him in the zero, Kirby recalled, whatever that meant, I guess the sights or something. And then one of them said, Can you see the flag? They said, Yes, it's U.S. It's U.S. They said it several times, so there wasn't any doubt in anybody's mind that they knew it. Kirby, now 86 years old and retired in Texas, said the transcripts were something that's bothered me all my life. I'm willing to swear on a stack of Bibles that we knew they knew. Close quote. And that is where we have to leave it this week, due to time. If you'd like to download this or any other episode of Unwelcome Guests, you can do so from our download page, unwelcomeguests.net slash archive. If you're new to 9-11, we have approximately 50 episodes on this topic, including one special edition, that's Unwelcome Guests number 568, which I particularly tried to make addressable for newcomers to the topic. Our theme tune is The Unwelcome Guest by Billy Bragg and Wilco, with lyrics by Woody Guthrie. Let me close with a special thanks to Chris Berlin for writing this book and for making the audiobook and publishing it freely on the internet. Just like the